I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com You're listening to After Law, broadcasting from the beautiful South Berlin, except no Hello dear listeners, welcome to this uh, special international break, the interminable international break weekend show of Achtung Millwall, the number one Millwall podcast. My name is Nick Hart. I thought I would produce a one of my random fixture shows. It's, it's kind of uh, multiplied slightly from a random fixture starting point, but you know, with these shows go wherever they will, dear listeners. First up, I want to say... A big thank you to you, dear listener, and all the other um, thousands of listeners that we get now um, for each show. It's it's quite incredible, the numbers of um, downloads that the show is getting at the moment. As ever, it enables us to generate money that we can donate to charity. And as you'll know from the start of each show, uh, our chosen charity this for this season and probably going forwards into next is the excellent Lions Food Hub. We were able to pay another donation today of £100. We've paid up £400 since we started supporting the Lions Food Hub. I'm very proud to be able to donate that money. They're doing excellent work to give food to families and people living in the SE16 area who are struggling at the moment. It's a great cause. I want to take my hat off to Kelly Webster and all of her assistants at the Lions Food Hub working out of the Manor and Rennie Estates. If you can donate any extra money to them, it's a great cause, at Lions Food Hub on Twitter, or else use the link that we always stick in the show notes, try and assist them. But the numbers of listeners that we get generates advertising money, hence the, the little um, adverts that you hear at the start and the end and the middle sometimes of each, of each show. Um, just to let you in on a little glimpse in the glamorous world of podcasting i actually turned away a sponsorship approach from a company called manscape now i don't know if um if you're any kind of podcast fan you'll hear their adverts a lot on especially the football um podcast it's a uh, an intimate hair trimming uh, (laughs) device for designed for men um a ball trimmer as as um as some might put it um, they advertise a lot on a lot of shows. I wasn't all that struck with their sponsorship offer for their show. I, I, um, I don't want to get too precious about Achtung Millwall. If if they'd have been offering some money up front, I might have actually considered it, dear listeners. But as it was, they were offering discounted um, prices off of uh, off, off of these ball trimmers. 
in return for an advert or one of these slightly false jolly boys conversations where you know i would engage in a conversation about what a great um intimate hair removal system manscaping is i don't know about you do you i, I find those kinds of things quite irritating apparently in the world of podcasting it's the way to go every manufacturer and sponsor wants you to talk about their products like you're a great fan of it and I don't know um, I'm not doing this for a living none of the chaps that, that do the show with us are doing it for any other reason other than to um, well for love of love of football love of Millwall basically it's like the fanzine used to be we're doing it for those reasons not to try and make money out of it. So I've actually turned... <laughs> I, I sound like Groucho Marx. These are my principles, but I do have others. Um, I, no, I've turned away Manscaped. I didn't want to get involved in talking about um, my my ball trimming um, thoughts on their uh, on their devices. Certainly not for the, the levels of uh, sponsorship they're offering. If they want to up the money, um, then maybe I'll go down that road. If it goes for a good cause, then I'll... Um, I may well let you on in the secret world of my testicles, dear listeners. But anyway, um, perhaps we'll move swiftly along. I might edit all that out and see how it goes. But anyway, this is one of our random fixture shows. The year chosen at random via random.org was the year 1958, two years before I was born. So we're going back, what, 62 years? 63 years, nearly? Um, 63 years, it is 63 years. Um, we have a mid-season friendly, strange old season, 1957-58. It was the last season of the old third division south and north system. Um, the, the the league had decided that the following campaign would be the first of the new combined fourth division. And this was the last season where we will play in the third division south. It was a very disappointing season. Let's, let's not beat around the bush without wishing to go back into manscaped territory. But we would finish 23rd in the 3rd Division South, um, which would have meant applying for re-election under the old system to the Football League, which we did. We did. We were re-elected. Um, but 1958-59 would start us off in the new 4th Division under the management of Jimmy Seed. So this was a, um, a late-season friendly match against Rotherham that I found on the British newspaper archives. Um, I don't know why we were playing a friendly. There were games on the 17th of March, a 3-1 win against Gillingham, a league game, and then a 7-2 thumping on 29th of March, the week after at Northampton. Um, like I say, a very, very tough season to be a Millwall fan. The losses from January through to, 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 uh, to March, consistently losing, losing big as well, 4-1s. 7-2 here, some, some 4-2 beatings. This was a tough season to be a Millwall fan. The friendly arranged against Rotherham. Why Why we'd arranged the friendly against um, relatively unfashionable opponents like that, I, I don't know. I don't have anything on that. Um, that finished as a 2-0 loss against Rotherham. So, uh, again, disappointment continues for, across the season. The report that I have here is from a Sheffield paper, sports paper, I think, the Greenan, it was called. Dated the 20th of March 1958, the headline is Rotherham Find It A Friendly Den. Millwall, who had a lean time since transferring Irish international centre-half Hurley to Sunderland last September, met Rotherham in a friendly match at the Den. Um, and the game would finish 
as a 2-0 loss for Millwall. The teams, or at least the Millwall team, is that's the only one we're really interested in. As goalkeeper Morgan, then Brady, Brand, Vetch, Harper, Rawson, Shepard, Summersby, Pacey, Heckman and Pulley. Under the old system of the Football League, you applied to be re-elected and we would be re-elected by our fellow clubs. Rare was the occasion where a club would be voted out of the league and Millwall actually suffered that ignominious fate a few times in the in the late 40s and early 50s. And I'm not going to dwell long on the match report other than to pick out one or two paragraphs about Millwall getting penned in their own half for considerable spells, rather than breaking away, forcing consistent pressure at the other end. Blah, 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 blah. Sluggish home forwards, um, a 5,000 crowd at, at Coldblow Lane and the game, a friendly match, finished 2-0 to, to Rotherham. So um, consistent with what was a very tough season. But a name that did catch my eye was the opening um, paragraph um, about Mill having had a lean time since transferring Irish international centre-half Hurley to Sunderland last September. And that, of course, is Charlie Hurley, um, a famous name through the 60s. Um, and he started his career at Millwall. And it's just struck me that I've never actually mentioned him. I don't think I've mentioned him in any of the shows, which um, is remiss on my part, because he was quite a famous name. More for Sunderland, in all honesty, who he left um, Millwall for in, in 1958. But certainly um, Charlie Hurley, famous name, Irish international, started his career at the Den. And I thought it might be worth just mentioning a few bits and pieces from Charlie's career with Millwall. Um, and then, you know, obviously to, for him to go on to Sunderland afterwards. So born in Cork in the Republic of Ireland in 1936, Charlie Hurley came to England with his dad and mum. Um, his dad had work at the Ford Works at Dagenham and they, he came over at the age of seven months to, to live in, um, in Dagenham. And there's a great website, it's from the Sunderland Former Players Association.com website online, which really gives you an insight into the life of uh, a working class football player of those times. You know, there was, there was a comparative glamour to being a footballer, but it wasn't obviously the kind of income that uh, kids now treat as normal um, back then. You know, your, your, your life was marginally better than working at Fords, which was the alternative for Charlie. And there's some nice pieces. I'm going to read a couple of um, paragraphs out from it with your indulgence, dear listener. So Charlie had shown some promise as a footballer. He'd been turned down by the county side. But this is a, a paragraph that I just find fascinating. It's an insight into a different time, a different place. He says, uh, my father worked in the foundry at Fords. My brother did, and so did my brother-in-law. So I started as an apprentice toolmaker, and it was like working in hell. In the foundry, they had free lemon lemonade, and I used to go down and see my dad and get some lemonade and not to do any work. I didn't like it at all. I was working on the top floor of this building, which was all glass, and in the summer it was red hot, and in freezing cold in the winter. When I got the chance to turn professional, I'll always remember the foreman coming up to me and saying, Charlie, you'll have to be very careful, boy. You could get injured, and then you've got no career behind you. And I looked at all these Irish guys flogging their tails off in the factory and I said, I'd rather take the chance on a broken leg than spend the rest of my days working like the rest of these chaps over there. So that was Charlie's um, early time working at Fords. He then goes on to how Milk spotted him. He'd had trials for West with West Ham and Ted Fenton 
who was the manager. And I think he must, I don't know if Ted is related to Benny. I would have thought he would be, but I stand to be corrected on that. Ted Fenton offered him a chance to join the Upton Park ground staff, um, which he described as being a boot cleaner. And Charlie, I think, probably wanted to aim higher than that. He got a chance via a famous mill name of Bill Voicey, who was scouting, and picked up by the Lions in 1953 as a junior. So Bill Voicey scouted him for, for Millwall, and he met with the manager of the time, Charlie Hewitt, famous name, we've mentioned him on previous shows, and Ron Gray, the trainer, who came round to, uh, to his family home in Dagenham. He says he couldn't believe it. He was being offered £7 a week, £10 a week if I was in the first team, £2 for a win and £1 for a draw. Half of all of that if I was in the reserves. And all of that in those days was a lot more than the £4 and 10 shillings that he was getting working for Fords. It gives you an insight into, um, into a different world. And this bit, I, I like this bit. He says, I'll always remember after my first training session at the Den being handed a luncheon voucher of two shillings and sixpence. That's 12 and a half p in uh, modern money. Um, and heading off with the rest of the players to a, to a nearby cafe for lunch. We had soup. And then they asked, what do you want? Well, I thought the soup was the main course. So then he had steak, and then, he, and then I was asked if I wanted the sweet. He'd never had a sweet before, so he ended up having a three-course meal. Now, in those days, my idea of a three-course meal was breakfast, dinner, and tea. After the meal, this is his lunch, he's got up to go back to the den, and they told me we didn't have to train after dinner. But I pointed out that as a professional footballer, surely I've got to train in the afternoon. But the players told me that even during the season, they didn't train in the afternoons. And I looked up to heaven... And I thought, if this is going to happen, to happen to me for the rest of my career, I've got to make the grade. Since that day, I've never moaned once about life as a professional footballer. Interesting, having had that contrast working for Fords. Now, Charlie would make his career probably more famously at Sunderland, um, but he did play 109 times for the Lions between 1953-54 and then 1957-58. We sold him to Sunderland in 1957 for £18,000 because the club... Needed the money, having come 23rd in the 3rd Division South, as as uh, as we've heard already. Um, but I've picked out a couple of games that illustrate the promise of uh, Charlie Hurley. I think the Sunderland fans voted him as the best player of the century, or some, some accolade of that kind. But one game I've picked out here was an unusual fixture, really. It was in 1955. Charlie Hurley from Cork meets the Germans. The... This was the Intercities Fairs Cup game, played in 1955. The competition was a three-year competition, a Euro one of the early European competitions between cities of Europe where they held trade fairs. Um, for some reason, a, a London combined team took the field in this particular European competition. Chelsea were not allowed to take part in the European Cup that season. The FA banned them, ever short-sighted. But a London team did take part in the Intercities Fairs Cup. So that was one of the first European competitions. And this was a London versus Frankfurt uh, game played at Wembley. And there's a report here, um, Charlie from Cork meets the Germans. Young Charlie Hurley from Cork, the Mill centre half, gets a surprise honour on October the 26th, 1955, when he steps out at Wembley Stadium with the London team meeting Frankfurt. He'll be playing in the bit, the first big match to be staged by floodlights at Wembley. Charlie is 18 and turned up at Mill two seasons ago and is now on national service in the army. There's something different as well there, isn't there? Um, the game would finish 3-2 to London. 
Um, Charlie Hurley was name-checked in this match report here from the Daily Herald. The Germans were reduced to spasmodic raiding, which Hurley and the Chelsea fullbacks easily held in check. So the other uh, players were from Chelsea and, and Charlton, Orient and others, Fulham. And, and Hurley was the only Mill player to take part in this London combined side. I've also picked out his international debut, which came in a Republic of Ireland draw with England on May the, May the 19th, 1957. Republic of Ireland won. England won um, a late, late equaliser for England, saving their blushes in what was a World Cup qualifying game. Um, Charlie's mentioned again in this report. There's a, there's a photograph with him pictured alongside um, Tommy Taylor, I think. There's got Taylor, Atio and Dunn, England players at the time, Charlie Hurley wearing the Irish number five jersey and some high praise in the in the Herald's report here that Charlie Hurley performed the redoubtable feat of beating Tommy Taylor in the air. Uh, Tommy Taylor being the England centre forward at the time. Um, the England team, just to give you a flavour of the kind of opponents that he was up against, consisted of Taylor of Manchester United, Haynes, Johnny Haynes of Fulham, um, Duncan Edwards there of Manchester United, um, Billy Wright, uh, Burn, I think that might be David Byrne of Manchester United. So there's, a, there's an array of top talent of the time. And Hurley of Millwall in there at the heart of the Irish defence in that one-all draw. And England were probably um, count themselves as having done well to escape Dublin with a point when they were losing till you know, the 91st minute of the match. 402 appearances for Sunderland, 1957-69 to 69 for Charlie. Then 43 for Bolton Wanderers. 40 caps for his country, 1957-69, to 69, two goals, and a spell managing Reading in the 70s. Charlie Hurley, um, and just to finish, during his days managing at, at Elm Park for Reading, one player he did manage to get the best out of was the mercurial name of Robin Friday, the, the man who didn't give a fuck. Um, a great talent, apparently, one of the best talents in the game, never to have made it big time. Um, due to his drinking and smoking and uh, habits of all kinds. But Hurley managed to coax the best out of Robin Friday. So um, there we are. Charlie Hurley, still alive. He's aged 84. Um, born 4th of October 1936. Place of birth, Cork, Republic of Ireland. So I hope you've enjoyed that little tribute to Charlie Hurley. Um, as I say, he's not a name I've mentioned previously. And I'm glad to be able to put that to rights now um, thank you for listening to the show dear listeners I hope you enjoy these random fixtures from the past we'll do another one maybe over the weekend we'll see how it goes but until good Friday and the home game against Rotherham strangely coincidentally given the nature of the show that'll be all from me today thank you for listening Arriva Dirty Mill and bye for now Thank you for listening to Aston Mule. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky little review. A river Mule. Till next time. Who do you want to watch? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.